You're listening to Live from City Lights, a podcast of readings and archives from City Lights books and publishers. To learn more, visit www.citylights.com. Hi, everybody. Peter from City Lights here. Welcome you to a special edition of City Lights Live, celebrating the anniversary of the Spotlight Poetry Series. Our event is called 20 in 2020. It takes place both today and tomorrow and celebrates the 20th volume in our signature series. So it's part of City Lights Live, the virtual reading series that continues in the footsteps of our in-store calendar during the shelter in place. So we continue to celebrate the works of authors we know and love with readings, discussions, forums, all throughout the fall season. Uh, I would like to remind you that City Lights has reopened its doors to the public. Following CDC and San Francisco Health Department guidelines, we aim to make your visit to City Lights as safe as possible. So please do come and visit us. You'll be able to once again browse our stacks. Our business hours are seven days a week from 12 noon to 8 p.m. We have worked very, very hard to transform the store for the age of COVID. Uh, Our entrance is actually now on the Broadway side of the building. It's at 271 Columbus. Uh, The original entrance is now an exit only. So we do encourage you all, please do wear facial covering. Uh, It can be as fashionable as you wish. Uh, We're making our efforts to keep safe everything for everyone. So as many of you know, City Lights is a publishing house as well as a bookstore. We continue to publish in the grand tradition of Lawrence Ferlinghetti's seminal Pocket Poets series. Uh, We continue to produce on a seasonal basis new books of poetry, fiction, literature and translation, and nonfiction informed by a progressive political outlook. Uh, We have new titles out from David Barsamian, from Stan Cox, uh, a very timely book by Alan Hirsch on our electoral crisis, also, a new book from the 21st Poet Laureate of San Francisco, of uh, the U.S., uh, Juan Philippe Herrera, uh, as well as new poetry in the Spotlight series we're celebrating today uh, from Uchi Naduka and Sophia Dolan. So to learn more about the books that we publish, as well as all of our upcoming events, please visit us at our website at www.citylights.com. Uh, you can also keep up on our activities in social media. Uh, we have presence on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you name it we're there. Uh, I'm going to be posting links in the chat function on uh, your dashboard. It's the lower part of your dashboard. You can kind of activate it just kind of like scrolling. Uh, And uh, if you click those links, you can peruse some of the uh, spotlight titles, both new and old. Um, Also, uh, you know, come by City Lights, check out our banners. You know, we just put up a new set of banners. So we're really, really excited about that too. So um, come check them out. So To host today's event, I would like to welcome Garrett Caples, the poetry editor at City Lights, and a very remarkable poet in his own right. Well, thank you, Peter. Uh, Good afternoon or good evening, depending on where you are. Uh, I'd like to thank uh, both our readers and the audience for turning up for the celebration of our contemporary poetry series, City Lights Spotlight, as we've just hit the milestone of 20 volumes. No one's more amazed than I am feel extremely fortunate to have been given this opportunity to edit the series of City Lights. I'm quite conscious that the lion's share of credit for the series' success belongs to the organization itself. As I wrote online, given the unique and historic role City Lights has played in American poetry, a myriad of poets of different generations and diverse backgrounds consider the press to be part of their own lineage, and the series is meant to reflect this. It is not restricted to one group, aesthetic, or geography, but rather attempts to use the visibility of City Lights as a platform to present a broad spectrum of exciting contemporary work. While it's been rewarding, editing the series hasn't been easy. In particular, I want to draw everyone's attention to the hell that is trying to write marketing copy for poetry. 
my marketing copy is bad. Almost all the poetry I find interesting tends to elude or exceed rational understanding. And trying to explain any of you poets to the general public has driven me to the depths of despair on more than one occasion. A couple of nights ago, while trying to think of what to say about the series, I had a few drinks and I wrote a poem called City Light Spotlight. People who don't know time is money are wasting my time and therefore my money. The musician played the work, but the poet worked on the play. They buy real estate in my name, I'll need to liquidate. They dug up a mass grave from prior inhabitants. Their renovator set me aflame during attempted restorations. I don't have to put up with this shit. I paid for my band's healthcare and flying V's to maintain stability. I might have embezzled the bass player share to feed my drug addiction. I furnished my grandmother's cabin with pews, pews from a Tennessee church and playing it straight for once. My monthly overhead left my hat 10 gallons underwater, but I retained copyright to the makeup they use on tour. I flubbed all my corny dialogue filming cologne commercials. The footage will go viral and bring tears to unlikely eyes. Well, that doesn't really explain very much, but it's as close as I can do to describe what it's like to edit the Spotlight series. One last thing. As you can imagine, given the state of the economy and the pandemic, City Lights is struggling to survive. I'd like to ask everyone in the audience to consider buying a Spotlight volume today. Uh, if you hear something from a poet whose book you don't have, or you know one particular poet in the series but not another, consider checking them out. Uh, the link to the Spotlight page will appear through the comments section, and I urge everyone to order directly from City Lights. It's hard to compete with Amazon, but we do offer the books we publish at 30% off uh, to even out the shipping cost. Today's event features the following poets in numerical order according to publication. Norma Cole, Anselm Berrigan, Micah Ballard, Kathy Wagner, Eric Baus, Julian Poirier, David Brazil, Barbara Jane Reyes, Carmen Jimenez-Smith, and Uche Nduka. And we're not sure if Carmen is here yet, uh, but if she does not show, I will read it from her book. I will introduce each poet individually by name, but otherwise, as we have 10 readers on hand, I'll let the poems do the talking. So our first poet is the very first poet in the series, Norma Cole. Hi, thanks for being here, everyone. I wanna acknowledge, first of all, that we are all here in our virtual space because of the brilliant Carrot Kipples who conceived and achieved this spotlight series so good. Enormous thanks to Garrett, and thanks you, thank you to Elaine Katzenberger for all your ongoing support, and to Peter and Chris and the whole team. Love to you. Um, I'm going to read first uh, one poem from State News. She can't see that far. Absence of sign means sign. The emptying out, a ring of smoke. The missing act, this is it. And this too, marking time. Eternity is useless. And now for spotlight series. Leaving the gardens of eternity, spiral galaxies were expanding at the center of nothing, complication swinging from the other side. I can't control my soldiers, said the Congolese government officer. 
pictures on the other balcony examined minerals and tears, alarms. Guess what? You can sit at the table and watch. Hello, stranger. The man was kicking a horse. Then the man fell down. This next poem is for Robert Creeley, for a little book that came out from Brazil called Together. Suppose the moon blind divers compose little shows for you in the light, in the straight street, our blind moon absorbing smoke, reflecting orange light. Portuguese rose, Rinsfer's rose. I want a heart-shaped coffin, said the song. The guitar shape, how it happens, a person comes to the door and says, work makes this space where we live a contraction of time. Not to be seen is to be dead. Light on a hand waving, light on a face is our witness. At moments, I'm able to look directly at a single word to see or say what things are, broth spilled on the table, or the truth of winter, not to be saying is to be dead. And the last poem I will read is untitled. Just the naked man and children playing outside, the dangerous current and threatening silhouette, damp spots and dry crusts on the blankets. The sp star man's flesh eventually tracks to the plush red cut velvet wallpaper in a hotel in New Orleans that has once been a brothel features in a nostalgic French film whose soundtrack was a keening behind the cracking of knuckles. Thank you. All right, thank you, Norma. Um, I uh, would like to introduce the next reader and it is Anton Berrigan. Thank you, Garrett. Um, Sorry about the press release stuff. Garrett asked me for a manuscript. I sent him 130 poems that all had the same title. Have a good one. So I suspect that was one of the ones that caused some PR headaches. <laughs> <laughs> so I wrote all these poems around 2004, 2005, and I think I'm going to try to see what they sound like in 2020. If I can find them. They all have the same title. It's a little confusing. Have a good one. Who would you like to have make the big decisions for you? Have a good one. Paid loan payment before sending masters on their way. Time, you ruinous agent of possibility. Will you ever truly get your point across? Or unfreeze and send back, more to the point, all them corrosive explanations of your work? 
monolithic derelict fuck. Have a good one. The choices your work left me were to submit or walk out, and you have not earned my submission. Have a good one. It's become harder and harder not to take responsibility for all of it. Every bastion of disrepair, every qualified public apology for ill-tongued remarks, every pasture of re-despair, every made-up resume of a sorry. It's been harder not to undergo surgery or plead for indifference from the feds. Don't you see them seeing you? Remember when them seeing us was what we wanted? And yet I was in high school. The president's daddy was the president. Have a good one. In the error, thinking of non-intervention with you, a red sun, don't look, pokes through. Staging development and the cutting loose of its facile integrity, its disproportionate personal non-response. The wince, the shrug, the belated semi-acknowledgement of owning just enough to take part. In the era, thinking of you, will quit my job in one year to get more done work harder to insert myself into the fragile extension of space between us to get something done. In the ear, thinking after you. Have a good one. Theme, I am supposed to be asleep, ordered to chair tractable downy platitudes, smoke some resin before landing, velvet nodding, pony nodding, Strafe jingle soothes momentary hex. Sinking be the ship, the scholastic revelation paradox, while quietly bludgeoning when I want a strand of painterly disaffection. The mind arrives with inept wonder, imitating trumpets for some shit that's thoroughly made the transition from court to commercial. What are you defending if the use of the right is in question? so deeply ingrained as to be gone, watched it go. But we're still here, and I'm handing you this gun you're already holding. Have a good one. The promise of a hard-won exuberance brought you near. The need to be around the most people doing something was a fucking magnet. From running races to making copies to delivering packages, promotion became a recognizable cycle if always with a clear ceiling or escape hatch. The latter you design, though awareness of authority in that regard can be transient. It's a cheap shot, honesty in the making. But do the parts get to be themselves while part of the whole thing? And if they're only themselves, like I'm only my habits and kindnesses measuring contact before moving forward, we're done. You'll call me. I tend to screen. Technology's beauty made shapely by the choice. Bits of it, I mean. Shape is for the birds. Have a good one. 17, watching Simon's apartment, summer of 1990. Bought acid at Washington Square Park to peek under Times Square lights. Would all be very different now had the shit been real. Thank you. Thanks, Anson. It's nice to hear those poems again. Uh, our next reader is all the way from San Francisco, Micah Ballard. 
Hi, all. Uh, thank you so much. I'm from Alamo Square here. Uh, and I'll read from this. Thanks, Garrett. Night school. Off hours, I inhabit a roll-top desk and read in waves to let the voices war. Dead names ignited with a pilot. The brightest ones are stars of the same order, hard looks that fall apart on entrance. I can never see their faces, but the music stays there, a wheezing organ, and my last debt to high society, public crypts that greet you with a smirk. One diamond, one heart, the perfect setting for a silent movie. I feel so caught by the hours dragging and bluff it out with a few notions of my own. The smell of tuberoses starving for a shoulder. Just enough, all these sheets and ruffles. There aren't many sonnets like that anymore. Precise arrangement, contrast, and relief. A fugitive appreciation learning to hold one's own. Then you practice for years and make a pact on instinct to surrender it all. Entire constellations accomplished in nuance. Then notice another typo, the consignment of the keys, the last monument to this living hand. Beyond the Pale. A mountain cabin steeped with shrubs. A biographer for the temple of maiden thought. A thief's thief, easy to find. A paranoid polymath and kicker of shrines. A pimp of adverbials and a photography of pain. A black mirror dealer known to double cross. A leaking roof to accentuate the Bolinas frescoes a flask of leaves to tease bare trees, a heretic hermetic the same day as Jack Spicer, a child's bed perfectly made, a Bobby Fisher sword in the TMZ of poetry, a midnight call to reveal the death of it all, a river and all the skyness of purgatory, a votive substance aloof and essential. Uh, name value. Somehow made up, I diverted from the catalog by deficiency of imagination. Now it rules over everything. Befriending the belligerent, toasting them, roasting them. We like to trade helmets and swing the hijinks back to the visitors. Who doesn't like to jump on cop cars? In the furlough morgue, I polish their trophies and try to stay in my own lane. Everything I used to rely on feels forced and heavy humor makes me feel like a jock. I've always been on academic probation. All the aging aristocrats thought I was too enthusiastic and said I didn't know how to read poetry. So I started writing it, you know, a lick for a lick, stranded on my own gambling ship. When I put on a mask, the plumes still undulate. When I take it off, I can't recognize myself. Sometimes I think I do, but all the work takes so long to pay off. Cool, thank you. All right. Thank you, Micah. All right. Our next reader, uh, who uh, just has a new book out, uh, is um, Kathy Wagner. Good to see you, Kathy. Great to be here. Thank you, Garrett. Uh, I'm really thrilled to have been part of this series. It's an honor, and it's uh, really good to see you all and hear you. Uh, so I'm going to read a poem from the new book and then a poem from the City Lights book. Uh, this, the, the, this is called... The city has sex with Megan. The city has sex with Megan when the air shaped like the inverse of Megan accepts Megan as she moves. 
If Megan is a system of exchange that floats her labor and her point of view in vapor, liquid soup passaging through her valves, and if her later corpse collapsing updates its inversion of the air, even more than did the air displace when she grew from brown-eyed baby into strong laboring woman in blue jeans and heathered wool. And if the air and earth draw from Megan's corpse all the energy and minerals she pulled from her surrounds to build her nails and bones and teeth. If the exchange doesn't stop, but only ceases to support her consciousness, and if her consciousness was corpse anyway until it found relation, then what demises is the potential for the human social. And another sociality will unbutton my whole shoe and tongue hang limp. What sex is for but stops me at the barrier, a pixelated glamour reef, though very close and simple, smell of flurry, parapluie, paraphrase, energy funneled through a shape. You filtered chemical information in such a pointy, fulgent, scrambled way in the city and outside the city, in the vernal zones and aqua zones, the city shaped, flowcharted, realist trucked. The city caved under when the zones rose and lapped around the pilings, manged foundations green, rotted the teeth out of the mouth of the city, harbor high rises, dark and blown. The city is extremely fragile, tender human mesh and will be mush and mushrooms grow in. There is room in ruins, roam the rearticulated harm. And this is from the City Lights book. It's called Spell. It's a, it is a spell. Um, it goes by pretty fast. So I should say that my mom's name is Anne Cunningham. She had this Australian shepherd named Nina who got put down. And the same day, my mom intern started internally bleeding and went to the hospital. And this was in North Carolina in the Smokies. So, okay, Spell. Ampersand, to start the poem, keep you going. Uh, there's a, this is to my, like, addressed to my mom. Ampersand to start the poem, keep you going. There's a next Anne Cunningham, now intubated in White Bed Mountain Range. Event brought you here, an event will blow you onward. This is the refrain from Anne Harm, refrain from all harm. Events blowing forward, gentle your train, refrain from all damn harm. Camp out in the mountains under fluorescent hiss and beep. Nina, pet, put to sleep, ancient incontinent. Now you mourn blood into your gastric tract. Noble body, noble body, gather your guts, seal the passage. Have to die sometime, but curving intricate ampersand tract says you'll meet us for breakfast. This is the refrain from Anne Harm, refrain from all harm. Events, events blowing forward, gentle your train, refrain from all damn harm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy. Um, is uh, Peter or Chris? Uh, I think Carmen has arrived and I'm going to shuffle the order just because Carmen's got a conflict. So she's going to just blast through. Uh, I believe she's Carmen's iPhone, if, uh, unless she dropped back off. Uh, maybe she's not here. Okay. Uh, hold on a sec. Checking it out for you. Okay. Or maybe she came and went. <laughs> uh, 
Okay, sorry, it wasn't letting me unmute. Oh, there we go. So, oh, there yeah. we go. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for uh, sorting this out. I really appreciate it. I'm. I uh, had a family thing come up. Um, I'm going to read from my City Lights book, uh, Cool Futures, and I'm going to read a poem uh, called Oakland Float. I went with Gloria to an isolation chamber place in Oakland because Giovanni had told me that it was amazing to float. That's what they called sitting in a tank of water and six pounds of Epsom salt with only yourself projected against the total darkness floating. I recall altered states, the horror of that mutilation, the mutation of who that guy was. And I feel vulnerable to that risk being what I am, my Mr. Hyde to my Dr. Jekyll. I wanted to know what I was without the noise of the world buzzing in me. I operated on two engines, mania and anxiety, which were a network of screeching dissonance. I had long told myself to learn how to control it, but it sometimes sparked out of my mouth or my action verb, especially if I was off meds. In the dressing room, I could faintly smell the tinge of bleach permeating all public spaces with warm water, bathrooms, gyms, swimming pools, kitchens. I worried about the smell in the pod, but I stepped in and darkness subsumed my thinking around smell. Though I lay back into the salted water to float my head on a little cushion they offered as optional and felt the release in my body of muscles unclenching and the way my body should feel in the world <clears throat> if it weren't shaped by external forces. A knot's undoing uncoiled. I thought it would be like acid, but it was more like my brain trying to run on its treadmill, but the power is out, so I can't do the things I normally do inside my head. Stop and start trying to go to the regular sound, but fizzles out like how a cassette tape would sometimes play with imperceptible moments of slowing, then eventually down to silence. I found five distinct channels and what I mean by that is in the darkness of the pod, there was only sound, the subtle calming echo sound of water dripping in a cave and the sound of voices in my head, which were an absolute clamor as I had suspected. One of the channels in my head was faint, two people from my past, a woman, a man, and they were the voice of contempt I buried with this or that, but the ferocity of the hate stayed at more or less the same thready pitch. That made me feel adolescent, or maybe it was that this channel developed as a result of some hormonal surge in the brain, that this was how we became mortal, living our days with self-loathing. The next channel was just like an 80s new wave channel on Pandora, each song barbed with the fantasy life of this girl I was. The third channel featured a narrator who was easily distractible and who kept sinking back into reveries, why I maybe will never write a novel. The fourth channel was pure language, like a floating alphabet where I was able to turn words into three-dimensional objects, paragraphs into rooms, books into palaces. So this was my poetry channel, I guess, where I get images from and memories linked to smells, the convergence of all my capturing. The last channel was a machine like the kind used to knead dough, but fractal and it churned at language too. 
I sometimes got bored moving from channel to channel and I was self-conscious about the occasion of this consciousness, that it was a bougie part of an industry of relentless self-improvement I had left behind when I fled the Bay Area. Now visiting was fraught for me because even just street lights on Grand made me so sad I could hardly breathe. My brain does that to me and I could feel the pain pass over my heart and linger like a bird dipping its beak in the water of my heart brain then disappearing indifferent. You play fast and loose, don't you, memory? I tell my students not to use brain or soul, but I use them all the time. I thought that too in the float. I was just sparks flying, but still the sparks were connected to things that made me extra and awake. Thank you. Thank you, Carmen. Well, you spared them having to listen to me read your poems, which I was going to do if uh, if we didn't get you. So thank you for coming through. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, good to see you. Our next reader uh, is Eric Baus, beaming in from Denver, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. uh, hey, everybody. It's uh, great to hear you all and to see you. I'm super grateful to be part of all of this. Um, I'm just going to read a tiny poem from the City Lights book, The Tranquilized Tongue, and it's called The Injured Window. The wires inside sleep, blurred between the feigned body that evades one during sleep, and the precise moment sleep awakens. Um, and then uh, these are a couple of, well, they're all very short poems, but the uh, these two are from uh recent book called How I Became a Hum. What our sky is like. This was how we spoke to the distant flicker. Our silence hydrated a speaker. Its form came to us in pieces culled from the canopic night. We wore diagnostic dust in a book that believed only in ablutions. We dried slowly. Now what our sky is like is like a hospital for the sun. How I became a hum. We mirrored the mirage's groans. We poured pollen into our microphones. We recorded our crops. We heard, this is the city's apparatus minus the remains of a bell's hum. We cracked the vatic eggs in our veins. We watched our eyes age. I split my thoughts. I was busy being a brook when a hidden atmosphere hatched. Then the shore became my brains. Um, and uh, these are a bunch of short poems from a manuscript I'm working on called Euphorbia. Um, and Euphorbia is a kind of plant, it's like a cactusy kind of thing. Minnow pulses, the ocean in a jellyfish, the sky in a cloud, the storm in a worm, the flies in a squirrel's fur, the fences in a horse, the science in an axe, the apricot in an alphabet, the mind in a minnow, the fire in an orchard, the hours in a bee, the bandage in a branch, the hand in a harpoon, the dying sea in a signature, the tiny wars in a sleeping fox, the vowels in a wildcat, 
the despair in New England, the despair in Indiana, in a road, in a dying deer, the endocrine system in an anxious ghost. During the era of redacted foxes, the sky fled. It was always raining in the next room. The ceiling slept beneath nervous grasses. The new noise, the tallest grass in a lost goose starring in a river. I was wooden, was felled, a bell waving blank. All my wars had forgotten their sources. I was busy interviewing vines. The ingrown ghost. An antique amoeba taught itself to sigh inside a grave an elephant ended up in, but it always longed to be moss within the wiring of an empty egret. Aqueous wings. The yarrow remembered spirals minting tall grass, then new wheat learning about being a river, a ram, a funerary swan, the touch of the ground, a groan in the water in an altar far away. Song exploder, the signal and its double, the sine wave and its double, the cicada and it's double, and it's double, and it's double. Renounced pollen returned to the Datura Plains. The miasma was asleep. Barbed data describing its brain to the weather in a numb wildflower. We sang, have a good storm until egret seedlings relearned their wiring from the watts of a startled grave. I had hurts had lost some soil too, but these grasses, those geese. In order to form a more patient astronaut, the sky is always threatened. The ground hurts. I can still see the lake in a frog. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Eric. Eric, is that a new book out? Is that book out or? Or I think you just, let's see. Let me see if I can unmute you. Uh, uh, I can't unmute you. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> okay. I, I think, uh, oh, I think you can hear me now. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. The, um, most of the short new poems that I wrote out are like a chat book that's moving towards a manuscript. And, uh, okay. Then, yeah. Good to hear new stuff, man. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. thanks. Mm -hmm. right. Our next reader, all the way from the city of Berkeley, California is Julian Poirier. Thank you. <clears throat> First of all, um, I want to thank Garrett Caples for choosing to publish my book on City Lights. His choice to do so gave me confidence to burn. It also made me a nicer man. <laughs> On my walks through Berkeley, I often find treasures that my neighbors have kicked to the curb. Although I rarely, if ever, need any of these grizzled garden playthings, 
I often find it hard to resist taking them home. <clears throat> hmm. The expedition of Lewis and Clark on four cassettes, still in the shrink wrap. <clears throat> Certain objects seem to have an imagination of their own, projecting some version of my soul body continuum into ideal hypothetical circumstances. In the dreams of street finds, I find myself healthier, less likely to overdo the whiskey, and all set to bake a pie while listening to Carl Heinz Stockhausen with full intellectual engagement. I am emotionally independent, corked and sunk down to the mercury of unturned dirt, yet ready to be sipped frugally by a woman I won't bother to describe, except to say she is in flight toward this hemisphere as we speak. <clears throat> Though Edward G. Robinson was Reeb's pet rat who escaped into the pantry, raided by a family on the run from nuclear fallout, I face our future here with a full face, not a single tick lavished on the past. And though the future is closed to us by a fence of hammered out re-riveted jet planes, which starts at our toes and slices into the clouds, I bathe in its liquid ciphers where the greatest films decompose, along with their warped boxless VHS bodies lying in the street grass like two young nuns naturally high on God. Or like me and Philip Marinovich broadcasting the armistice from Paris. Los Norte Americanos walking round the parking lot in white t-shirts, chanting slogans about the tours. They are full of bad Mexican food and really bad Chinese and the sun is hot enough to drop a charging pig with a two by four. And only when it's lying there, stunned, do you notice its human eyes, those of a child, and its muddy red bikini bottoms. Do pigs normally have fat rolls like that? How about the pierced belly button? Dial up and call out. Bring your water spout contender to the east yard. Los Norte Americanos march in circles around the parking lot and that's what they say. While others march out of Dick's sporting goods carrying a red plastic canoe, yellow salt pellets, fishing rods from China and a Chinese watercolor of the log cabin inside a snowy egg. Inside these walls, the international fugitive known only as the human canary starts a fire with a pipe of coupons, bloody steaks, 49 cents a pound. What connection does this reptilian broccoli bear to my lover's eyes when steamed open? 
the human canary wonders, none that a symbol can't make, and hell is a symbol superstore. Hell is a dick's symbol goods, where los norteamericanos drag their pig stripper children through the fractal gauntlet of symbols, while their more politically minded brethren barbecue their brains on the parking lot. But the human canary rejects this false prison of the spectacle. That's why she only sings. <clears throat> All right. Thank you, Julian. Thanks, Garrett. That was great. That was great. Always good to hear. Our next reader, beaming in from the city of New Orleans, I believe, is David Brazil. Kingdom weather's cool and breezy, says that, oh, my yoke is easy. My tongue's broke on kingdom speeches, far as Pharaoh's army reaches. See the song and sing the slave as he is laid out in his grave. Then before astonished eyes, let him within his people rise. There are five songs in Holy Ghost, my book on Spotlight. Not all of them have tunes, but all of them have melodies. This is called One Dust Song. Day and dust and dust and day and breath and bone and mortal clay. To say all what we cannot say, it falls to dust, to dust and day. In God we trust to show our way, a way to dust, to dust and day. Day is short and dust is long and right is right and wrong is wrong. And song is sung, and we shall play all day long our dust and day. Dust and day, and day and dust, all of what is living must say out loud what it has to say before it's dust while it is day. Day and dust, and dust and day, and breath and bone, and mortal clay. And this is called Tyrant Song, You Know Who You Are. We threw down the tyrant wherever he came. He came with the sorrowful face of a friend. He came in a castle all covered with cypress. He came with our face and he stayed till the end. And we in our sadness turned into our seeing. The tyrant was us and he came in our name. He came with our voices and came with our lovings. He came with a queen who was at his right side. He came as in love and he threw us all down and then grieving to do it, burned us to the ground. For all that he gave was a debt, a debt. In guise of a gift, but not yet, not yet. The sorrowful tyrant had set, had set. The terms of the dream we abet, abet. And this is called Prole Song. Chrono choked prole with ill dream seeks glass architecture, sangha, a period put to this epoch of shit. Please communicate direct with ground zero at the end of time. Give up races, tear up your slave money, and shake hands with everyone. 
And this last song was written for my ex-wife, Sarah Larson. It's called Sarah's Song. Flesh is grass, my lass, my lass. We who walk and we who pass. Fold your roll, my soul, my soul. Meet my man and pay my toll. Toll the bell, oh well, oh well. Sell off what you have to sell. Answer love, my dove, my dove. Show me what you are made of. Thank you very much. All right, thank you, David. Good to see you. Our next reader, who I know has a new book out uh, because I happen to have it on my desk, is Barbara Jane Reyes. <laughs> thank you, Garrett. Thank you, City Lights, for, um, for bringing us all together like this in our little squares. Um, I am going to read, uh, it's a long poem called The Day. I'm gonna read just sections of it. And it is one of the closing poems from uh, Invocation to Daughters. And it starts out with three lines from three different poets that I borrowed from. It's called The Day. Two fingers on a pulse like the true point from Angela Narcisa Torres. Gloss of feathers dimmed in the orange quiescence of the sun from Lihua Titano. A damaged beauty, a music I can't manage, no words from Urayoan Noel. 6.45 a.m. The very last meal I had with my father was arroz negro y petral sol paella, fidewa caldosa, pork bellies, okra, and a bourbon elderflower cocktail in uptown Oakland at Duende. Four days later, his brain got lost in language. No words. His body forgot how to walk and how to swallow. His lungs decided to stop taking air. He never came home. He is on my mind when I go to sleep. He's on my mind when I wake up. 8.36 a.m. At the AC Transit 26 bus stop, I'm late to my day job. Morning commute reminds me of my father. Coconut oil, slicked hair behind the ears, ducktail in the back. He ironed the creases in his slacks. He left the house with Ralph Lauren polo aftershave on his collar. He clipped his Bechtel badge to his pocket protector. Protractor and mechanical pencils, drafting tools arranged within reach. Thermos of coffee in his Dymo labeled briefcase. 10 speed bike to Union City BART station. That was before coconut oil became trendy. That was before the layoffs and unemployment checks. After this, combing his hair became a chore. 9.02 AM. Lihua told me that daughters stolen from their homelands do not lose their power. Their tongues, their palates adapt. New and unbloomed buds called bullets become new spells, new medicine. You do not get lost on an island. You take pieces of it, shell, sand, seed, with you when you must take flight. Jelly jars, perfume vials, Tupperware, Ziploc bags, you use what you've got. 11.27 a.m. I belong in this fluorescent lit cubicle. The privilege of this fluorescent lit cubicle where I thumb through thousand page spiral bound indexes. According to the International Classification of Diseases, ICD-10-CM, 
F43.20 adjustment disorder unspecified includes culture shock, grief, reaction, and nostalgia. To be a Pinai daughter is classifiable, diagnosable, reimbursable with the proper documentation. It is a disorder. It requires professional intervention. It may require a prescription. To be a Pinai daughter may be covered by your managed care plan. To be a Pinai daughter should be covered by Obamacare. Please consult your manual. 12.14 p.m. There are ladybugs on my father's grave. 5.02 p.m. Two fingers on a pulse. He was still breathing when I left this room. He was, and one by one, they were wheeling away machines. He was, and one by one, they were wheeling away machines. The blipping monitor told me what my hands felt still. He was warm. He was 73. He was a tough motherfucker, stubborn enough to live to be 100, so that he could grumble and elbow us, so that he could give us mad side eye. Instead, just hum and blip, hum and blip, a music I can't manage. Exhale, no words. 5.24 p.m. Sometimes you are damaged. You think poetry will repair you. You think poetry will repair you. You shake your fist at it when it doesn't. You walk hand in hand with your damage into the world. You do not speak. You're surprised when people register you are there. 5.51 p.m. Sometimes I can snap out of invisibility. On 8th and Broadway, Marshawn Lynch and I make eye contact. I refrain from telling him it's my birthday and may I please take a selfie with him. Why can't this interaction have happened with Draymond Green instead? Hashtag Oaktown. Hashtag Dub Nation. 9.03 p.m. On a pulse, that stopped. The breathing stopped. He was warm, but the breathing stopped. Now he flies to greet my ancestors, gloss of feather dimmed in the orange quiescence of the sun. There is no need now for sublingual drops of morphine, for the sleep that let him slip away from us. 9.05 p.m. I can't manage. No words. 9.11 p.m. Sometimes you are broken. Poetry won't fix you. Poetry can't fix you. It doesn't have lungs to give you its air. It doesn't have hands to stitch your parts back together, to make you tea, to drive you home. 11.55 p.m. I remember holding the dove's warmth in my palms. I was still, it was still, it was waiting for me to unlace my fingers. There, the horizon above a young oak tree, mustard flowers, poppies, and autumn snails, the dove's gentle bones pushed off my palms into the orange quiescence of the sun. This is how I said goodbye to my father, shouting his name at the sky. 11.57 p.m. I sometimes remember to floss. I always wear socks to bed, even in the summertime. I sometimes build a pillow fort. I always think about that day that with my mother's permission, they wheeled my father out of the hospital covered in a velvet shroud, that I could not sleep for a long time, 
that I would not close my eyes, that every night noise might have been him visiting me. Um, thank you for that. I'm gonna end with something a little bit more upbeat, I hope. Um, and this is from uh, Letters to a Young Brown Girl. And it is uh, written after the song called Devoted by Julie Plug. Watch me as I take a heart, she says. Barehanded, pull apart the fibers and make sure to catch the juice. My unwed aunties taught me how to undress a fresh heart. First, peel away the rough husk. This is not work for tender hands. Take care not to touch its itchy sap. The heart is fragrant and it is durable. You may brine a heart or you may braise a heart. You will see how a heart softens. You may mince, spice, and serve a well-seasoned heart. Do not pluck it unripe. Wait until it wants to open. Thank you all very much. Thank you, Barbara. That was great. It's nice to hear the new, new work. Mm. Um, and now our last reader for today, uh, and I want to remind everybody we're reconvening same time tomorrow for the other half of the series, but our last reader today is one of the two brand new books we've published uh, uh, in the Spotlight series. It's uh, Uche Nduka, coming to us from Bainbridge Island, I believe, even though he usually comes from Brooklyn. Thank you so much. Thanks to be invited to this group. Um, I'd like to thank uh, Garrett thank uh, Anselm Berrigan and uh, Karina, the, the artist who designed the book cover. I'm very much taken by the book cover. So I think it's very, very important that uh, honor be given to who deserves it. She's called Katerina Pinosova, which is from the Czech Republic. Yeah, yeah she's a Czech surrealist. Oh, it's Czech surrealist. She's a member of the group that's been together since 1934. She's, you know, oh, current generation. I'm really impressed, you know, by her work. So I would like to start reading from a notebook I'm beginning to call the Bainbridge Island Notebook. Perhaps that might be the title of the new book. It seems a book just started here. <clears throat> Dog whistles of seers that can't see, healers that can't heal, fighters that can't fight. Just so we're all clear, they did block ballot access. This is how democracy dies. New shit has come to light. The lawless ones are arising. This email about another email posits a deceit. That's you telling yourself what you needed to hear. <clears throat> breaking my head or breaking bread Outriders use my poems to wrap dry meat. Sunny after sunny, extra pine, shiny outcrop. All the stupid mistakes we will ever need. Why is the sky laughing? Take off your clothes and let the shallow weep. <clears throat> So much grief over a bird feeder. 
Those young bruises are beginning to grow old. So what do you say to those who say your outrage is a scam because you ask for life in a nation that wants you dead? Spinning tops, acrobats, troll trail, fire lane, you go in one direction or another with scotch tape and safety pins. What else can Tukois offer at this point? <clears throat> Don't be the reaction, be the revolution. Grow a light and shine. Is the mileage of roaring roses. If guitars could walk, a root, a bullhorn, and 100 glimpses of you. But I loved books and I loved to dance. But count, or to turn it into air around horse hair, a couple of ice cubes as a change of scenery. I really did love to graph colors with chlorophyll. A sentence and a half. They flew the caps first class, poking around down there because we had no other options. Meanwhile, mostly selling. Messiness did not question us enough. They likened immigrants to raccoons in a basement that had to be kicked out. My agony is bidding foul to each other on manicured lawn. You sudden urge to recline in my nakedness without touching. I don't want to be your hiding place. Eagle king, leaf blower, milk frotter. The moon wants her diaphragm back. My poems want to bite your poems. The midnight air regrets nothing. Not too far away from eggs from which to rise. No poetry, just a rosary of kisses. Thunder and tenderness speak the same language. When you realize this is not a drone shot. So let's go to City Lights. <clears throat> facing you, I'd just like to read, begin with a poem titled, Was at risk of being forgotten. <clears throat> Fear is something I've touched and known only with my hands. Life is exile. You lost your way. The afternoon says a song on fire. The songs played the poem, gave one part to anguish, gave the other to our nakedness. At least I'm not interested in, I told you so. Out of reach. <clears throat> the next poem to tongue it. Postcards from the wrong side of the law but not just transcribing terms of infringement. It's daylight saving time. My madness returns. I want to punch everyone. I want to tongue a conspiracy midfield. 
in the retinue, <clears throat> the next poem. How far would you go for a reboot? All or nothing, marble and scheme. I was flying over Brooklyn. This was not a tease. For better or for worse, I don't need a protective layer. Not become storms, but the ease with which you got involved with uninvolvement. Thinking it not right to live up to the mate following us around. Skins, gateways, the full leaf of your smile. Moves with nothing but floral predicament. Adjacencies at the edge of a foyer. Across the board, chance leaks your bulbs. Enchantment does not erase mathematical accuracies. I still think well of the mixing deck. Chilly cleaves of clemency. Exit, break away. I can't keep pretending that I know you are secret. Now that I've filled my plate, can I feel yours? My fall cannot but be angelic. This is an Amsterdam poem. I don't know if some of you have been to Amsterdam. For completion, my triumph requires my distress. Can I be stopped from rendering the sweet weed? And love pushed a crack beyond the point of return. Poggerty by Dam Square, or the apotheosis of the falcon. As postulates, ultimacy, ingenuity, intimacy, at the day's end, to be with nettle and rose and tulip. My fall cannot but be angelic a return to beauty. Was a poet without the gift of rashness? Tacos for you and this bonny day. A return to beauty I have come to terms with. Sky and this praise of panties between chair and flower pot. Juice alone does not define us as you see it on my face. I've got my eye on your eyelids, breasts, half of a yellow sun in a state of emergency. Thank you. Thank you, Uche. <clears throat> I like that new poem a lot too. Good. So, uh, well, thank you everybody for, uh, for coming, coming to the reading. And uh, I hope we will see some of you uh, tomorrow as well because we have a full slate, uh, 10 more readers. Uh, tomorrow, we have Andrew Jarin, Cedar Sago, Will Alexander, Julian Talamantes Berlaski, Lisa Drano, Ali Warren, John Coletti, Elaine Kahn, Edmund Berrigan, and Sophia Dom. So it's going to be, uh, it will be just as fun as this. And uh, I want to thank everybody who read. It just means means the world to me to hear everyone uh, together like this. Uh, you know, it's the only good thing to have come out of the pandemic is these types of readings where we all get to beam in from all over the country and uh, and uh, be together. So uh, so thanks very much. I encourage everyone again buy a book if you can. You know help us uh, help us keep the place running. And uh, thank you all for coming.
Thanks for listening to Live from City Lights, a podcast from City Lights Bookstore and Publishers. Our theme music was provided by Axolotl. All City Lights events are free. To see upcoming events at City Lights Bookstore in San Francisco, check out www.citylights.com events.